0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the show, we have Lindsay Hotmeyer. She loves to work with female creatives, entrepreneurs, and CEOs to help them discover a non-formulaic version of authenticity. She's helped over 200 clients and counting ditch the one-size-fits-all formulas and frameworks and helps them genuinely align with their message. Back in the day, she was a high school English teacher, and she's kind of been able to use that methodology, that true science and education background to help people get in touch instead with intuition, creativity, and really get in sight with their true authentic selves.
1: Yeah. And we really break down today. What does being authentic actually mean and how do you actually do that in a way that feels good with you and feels good with your audience? We talk a lot today about business values, your core values as a person and how to not only identify them, but then how do you use that in your marketing in your branding in your messaging and in your overall strategy to grow your business and sell your product, your offer, your service. There are so many good examples today that we talk about everywhere from messaging to your presence on Instagram to how you build community, so many different ideas. So it's a really, really good one. I hope that you love it. Now, before you go, I want to tell you about our new podcast party. It's Woo-hoo! super
0: fun. It's a virtual party and it's happening right now. And you can simply join in by doing us a quick favor and subscribing to the show, leaving a five-star rating, a quick review, and tagging us over on Instagram at Boss Project as you listen.
1: Yeah, and when we see your tag, you'll be automatically entered into our monthly giveaway to win either a free copy of Trello for Business or a free month to the Creative Template Shop. You get to choose! So head over right now to iTunes, search the
0: strategy hour, click the purple subscribe button, then scroll down, tap five stars, leave a quick review, and let us know what you think of the show. Then be sure to head over back to Instagram with a quick pick and let us know that you're listening. What did you love about the episode? Be sure to tag us at Boss Project, and as soon as we see your tag, you'll automatically be entered. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm
2: excited to sit down and talk with you for a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that we get to talk a bit more about messaging because I think now more than ever, the way we present our brand online and the words we use (laughs) carry so much weight. And I think sometimes, especially when you're not a writer yourself, this can feel like something that you're either going to screw up or you just constantly look at that. I know for me, it's the flashing little character symbol of staring at a blank page. And you're like, man, I don't know where to start. And so we tend to look at what everybody else is doing to find what's the formula for success here. And I know that you are the anti-formula girl. So let's talk about how would you uncover What sort of message we should start putting out into the world instead of scrapping what we've done and constantly trying to rework.
2: Mm -hmm. I think we've all felt this and seen this on full display since the start of March, you know, COVID came and we saw an onslaught of messaging in our inboxes that felt all really similar. And when crises hit, we see that on full display, everybody falling in line with what everybody else is doing, because that's what feels safe. And so if we just do what everybody else is doing, then surely we're going to be safe, right? We won't make a mistake. And so what I saw just a little bit about my history, I started out my career way back in the 90s as a high school English teacher. I'm a mom of four kids. And when I had baby number two, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a high school teacher anymore. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And And we're having
1: kids too much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It wasn't fulfilling my core Purpose. I got into teaching because I thought that I wanted to teach others how to use language to empower their lives. And I thought that teaching in the classroom seemed to be the place. Maybe back then, I didn't even know about the world of marketing mm-hmm. and how I could use my gift of writing and language to fit in there. So yeah, I have four children. And in the time of having babies, I did lots of different things in between that time and eventually found my way to copywriting and in 2014 I was a marketing and comms director for a small university and in 2016 I decided I'm going to do this gig on my own like there's more to do than just this tiny little space and so let's do this on my own and so I got into the sphere as a copywriter but as I spent time digging in with my clients I really evolved from copywriting into more of this foundational identity and let's figure out who you are before you can figure out what you can sell. Because I just discovered that there were so many of us, even as I tried to find my own way into the business world and as I tried to guide other people through that, just really that feeling of overwhelm and Just wanting to grab on to the formulas and to the frameworks and the templates to make it easy, but discovered as I did that and as others did the same, just a sense of feeling really lost and like, this is not working. This isn't me. And so how do I plug myself into this marketing world and be successful as an entrepreneur and do it in a way that feels like me? And so that led me to saying, maybe we need to push pause on the formulas for just a minute. Like, I'm not really the anti-formula girl because they do serve a purpose. Like, they are helpful, right? (laughs) I think we all know that. But starting with them, that's where I say, no, we can't start with the formulas first. We have to start at really the core of who we are as individuals Mm -hmm. and lead with that and I think that we've really seen the need for that throughout these last few months as the world has just kind of gone into full-fledged crisis and the people who really know and have been leading with their values and really have known who they are in spite of a recession, in spite of a pandemic, in spite of everything that's going on, they're able to kind of drop themselves in the middle of that, those crises and say, okay, this is who I am. This is who I've been. So let's move forward. Yeah. And I just think that more of us need to start there because that will equip us to kind of survive and thrive even in these hard times.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to break down more of, okay, what does it actually mean to start there and what are some exercises that maybe we can go through? But I wanted to just dig into that a little bit. I've been hearing this conversation pop up in my circle of friends on Instagram. And it's funny that we're having this conversation today because I saw two of my friends, and you guys know them, Steph Crowder and Shante Grant, were both talking on their Instagram stories a couple of days ago about everything that's going on in the world of what feels like really crafted PR messaging about stances and values and goals and where is your company headed and all of the things. And both of them were saying, if it feels like a beautifully crafted PR statement, like, then maybe those weren't your values to begin with. And maybe there's some stuff you guys need to reevaluate as a business. And when you actually work from a place of being authentic, and this is who I am as a person, this is what my soul is made up of, then it pours out. And it's not just where do you stand on human rights issues or COVID or helping your audience. It's where you stand on selling your products. And I think so many people forget or find a hard time trying to identify your deep values and who you are as a person to selling your stuff and to marketing your things. And so... Yeah, I think they try to separate uh, it. Exactly.
0: And I think it comes from a place of... I don't want to say fear, because for sure, some people, that's where it's coming from. But I think for others, they hold this value that somehow your business has to remain separate from your personal identity. Because if you mix it too much, you're going to either attract or repel people that maybe you want as part of your community and I know that's something I personally struggled with over time because we've always wanted this to feel like an inclusive place and because I'm a Christian Mm -hmm. that goes to church every Sunday we don't talk about religion as part of our business but that can impact Mm -hmm. so many different things and where you stand and your messaging and how you say things. So if we're willing to dig into this, because I think everyone has them, whether you know what they are or not, you have values, okay? (laughs) Like I think sometimes we're able to call them out because we're super in touch with them. And other times they're things we've held on to since childhood or something that was instilled in us in Mm -hmm. school or from a coach or from a teacher that we had along the way. So How do we start identifying what they are so that we can lean on them when we aren't really sure what to say?
2: I think you spoke that so succinctly, you know, our values are so often hidden in our subconscious. And so many of us do just kind of walk through them and live them out in this autopilot level. And I think we have to start with that acknowledgement of that fact there that, okay, I'm doing things kind of on autopilot and I need to dig deep and really understand why am I doing this to begin with? And is it really what I ought to be doing? And even is it aligning with who I say that I am? And So one of the things that I really use with my clients as I walk them through, even just discovering who they are, is this concept that isn't talked a lot about In the business world, but it's a concept of your worldview. And we all have a worldview, every single one of us. It may be different from my next door neighbors, but each of us has a worldview. And again, science tells us we kind of live it out in a very subconscious way. It's like this thing that's going on in the background of our lives, it's there keeping us running. We just don't know that it's there. But it directs everything we do, like every decision we make, every relationship we have, every value that we hold, every business we decide to launch, it's always shaped by our worldview. And our worldview, no matter what it is, answers three questions. It's why am I here? And if you really want to get even deeper, it's where did I come from? So that's a question that gets deeply <clears throat> theological, spiritual, you know, scientific. Why am I even here to begin with? It's Mm -hmm. deeper than Simon Sinek's, what is my why? It's the root of, why am I even here on this acre of this world Mm -hmm. to begin with? Then second question is, what has gone wrong with my world? And then the third question is, what can I do to fix it? And so those are questions that when you really dig in and start to answer, it starts to flesh out some of those deeper values that you hold and that you're using to kind of operate and run your life with. The whole point of worldview and bringing it out into the open and knowing about it is that that is your North Star. That's the thing that you hold out in front of you and use that to guide you and filter every decision and every action that you make through your worldview And that's how you end up living authentically. And I think that a lot of people, especially now in the Miss Human Rights discussion, especially, and even COVID, you've seen some brands fall flat on their face. Like we've all seen the rug be pulled out underneath people who have kind of built their businesses on formula or on things that feel expedient, maybe even just the desire for pure profit. And what worked for them for so long has now crumbled beneath them because our world has shifted. Mm-hmm. And because they don't know what their values are back to, I don't know which one of you talked about mm-hmm. the whole PR response of these value statements. I think that you're right. That should be a red flag for us mm-hmm. that if we're having to suddenly scramble around and say, crap, what are our values?
1: <laughs> How do we word who we <laughs> are? as yes. a
2: company? Yes. Number one, that should be something that is just already there and two if you've really done a good job of living them out your community already knows that about you yes yes
0: because that's what I feel like I witnessed Mm -hmm. and it was still kind of terrifying because it was like do people actually know what they (laughs) are even though they've been the way they are for five years I was literally panicking (laughs) I'm not gonna lie okay
1: (laughs) Emily was (laughs) cool
0: she was fine I lived on anxiety and adrenaline for a solid (laughs) week and a lot of (laughs) tears. But I will say, I think the interesting part of this conversation is once you're in touch with them, you can decide if you still want that to be a value, or still want it to be something that shapes you. And I'll give you a for instance, I don't think it all has to do with exactly how you word things. But that mindset can impact how you run your business, even if it's not exactly how you word something. As a, for instance, Emily and I both grew up without a lot. I went from middle class to what felt like a whole lot of nothing really quick. And if you want to listen to an episode about that, you can. But that had a direct impact on our mindset around making mm-hmm. money. And we hit a threshold at one point. Actually, fairly early on in our business, where both of us were making more money than any person we were related to.
1: All of them. (laughs) Some of them combined. (laughs) One or two (laughs) of (laughs) them.
0: Well, for me, not all of them combined, but there weren't a whole lot of professionals. There weren't a whole lot of people making more than a teacher's salary. And that was huge. And so, working through that and understanding, okay, my value of money. And like how I stand and how I think about it and how I view it was instilled in me as a child. And if I have a desire to change it and I want to have a more abundant mindset and I want to attract more to me, first of all, you got to have a lot of other values in place to do it in a way that's actually ethical and all those things. But you can change them the way I view $60,000 today versus five years ago Not remotely the same thing. And I think that's because once you have that opportunity to truly know yourself on that level, then you can kind of weed through and figure out, okay, this thing that it wasn't my fault. I didn't think this way because... I wanted to think this way. I thought this way because everyone I knew thought this way and they instilled it in me. Okay, I don't want that to be how I think anymore. What sort of unlearning do I have to do? I don't know. I think it's pretty powerful. But once we're kind of feeling, okay, I'm starting to see what these things are. I'm starting to understand myself a little more. And you have a bit of clarity. How would you suggest utilizing that in messaging? Mm -hmm. Because I think people can feel it and have that personal dialogue, but then translating that to a message that you might put in front of your audience to sell something feels totally disconnected to them.
2: A few things. First, real quick, I think it's important to understand, especially now because I've seen a lot of people in my own circle struggle like, man, I don't know that I can still work for this company because... Is it making me jeopardize my values? And Mm -hmm. Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, talks about the difference between values and strategy. And he says, you know, once a business uncovers their values, those become the anchor point. Those don't change. Your values don't change. Now, how we live those out How we strategize, those things will change, but the values are always your fixed point, and everything you do fixes and guides and moves based off of your values. And so I remember reading that and thinking that that was a really interesting distinction because, you know, in my 20s, the values that I had, I was raised in a pretty ultra conservative Christian home. And so my values then are the same as what they are today. But I don't describe myself as an ultra-conservative Christian. I still live my life according to my faith. But the way that I live it out, the strategies have shifted. And so Mm -hmm. it was just an interesting way for me to look at myself in my 20s and now at 40, almost 43, to see while you have lived pretty consistently, you really just have shaped how you've chosen to live that out. And so I think that that's one is to give yourself space when you're trying to figure out who am I in the business world and how do I communicate myself to give yourself space to live in the tension. That's true. Authenticity is to give yourself space to live in the tension of growth and to understand who I was at 20 isn't who I am at 43 Mm -hmm. and How can I still live out my values, but adjust the strategy? And I think that when you're truly authentic, you have that space to grapple with that tension. And you're free to give others that space too. Like it's not frightening. It's not frightening for me to watch you struggle with, man, how do I maneuver this difficult situation Because if you've lived kind of authentically, and you've been true and aligned yourself to your values as business women, throughout the time that you've existed, I'm going to trust you're just living in the midst of that tension. Does that make sense? Like number one, you've got to give yourself space. Really, I guess, to simplify, you've got to give yourself space to not be perfect.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and to stop expecting growth to happen overnight, especially with the stuff that's been happening in the last few weeks. So many of us are reading books and articles and listening and learning and watching. And I think myself included expecting to see drastic turnarounds in who I am as a person or how I'm showing up or what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about happen overnight. And it's physically impossible. I was talking to Abby uh, just yesterday, I think about how so many of us are doing a typical semester or even year long (laughs) college course worth of learning in a week or two days or whatever. And that's really hard to process, and then to actually implement in your everyday life. And so regardless of whether it's about the current topics of today or funnel strategy or Facebook ads or whatever, right? Anything about business or life, it's all the same. I wish more of us would give ourselves that time and space.
2: Yes. There's a couple tools that I've really been latching onto lately. And one that I think has become really relevant to me since COVID hit, is just the understanding of Maslow's hierarchy. And mm-hmm. so if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's not a perfect model. But, you know, he essentially Coffee's says, online. <laughs> he essentially says, you know, we have our physiological needs, we have safety, we have this level of love and belonging, then we have these higher level needs of esteem and self-actualization. And I think that for so long as the economy has kind of been in a good place, we as business owners and even with our audience and the consumers, we have all kind of been at the, those top level of needs, self-actualization and esteem. And it's made it really easy to just hover there and to just assume as marketers and message creators that everybody is at those top levels. And you started to see messengers and businesses scurry when everybody fell back Mm -hmm. into those lower level of needs. Suddenly I could care less how mindful I was or how self-actualized I was because I just wanted to make sure I was going to get toilet paper at the store. Like when that's what we're worried about the message needs to shift. And so I think one is that if you want to show up authentically and really connect to your audience, you've got to understand where they're at, not just on the typical marketing funnel, not on Eugene Schwartz's Mm -hmm. stages of awareness, but really where are they at in their level of need? And how can I help them climb back up that hierarchy? And what is my role in helping them do that? So that's one tool.
0: after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/strategy. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/strategy for your extended
1: 30-day free trial. I really appreciate that breakdown because I think a lot of our friends, us, our audience members were saying, especially when COVID first hit, a lot of self-isolation started and quarantine happened and places were closing. It was a lot of the, like, I feel icky talking about my product, my service, my whatever, Mm -hmm. because of that, right? People are figuring out how to pay rent or get food or whatever it is to stay healthy. How dare I? And so it was this really weird zone of, I love how you just broke it down though, of like, okay, yeah, maybe you're not going to help pay someone's rent with this thing, but what can you do right now to help someone take a step towards achieving those needs that we have? Right,
2: Another tool that I like to use is something that I created. It's called the authenticity flywheel. And so authenticity is a huge buzzword, right? Like everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to be authentic. What the heck does it even (laughs) mean? And when I started studying authenticity, I realized we haven't really been collectively studying authenticity until the early 2000s. So we've been talking about it, you know, since Aristotle, but really studying what it is and what it means, the early 2000s. And there were two researchers that came out with something called the authenticity inventory. And in this, they said authenticity boils down to four basic Principles. And as I studied their inventory and said, okay, how can I apply this to the business world? I developed this authenticity flywheel. And if you want to be an authentic business owner, if you want to write your messages in an authentic way, it really comes back to these four principles of the flywheel. And the first is your values. And what are the guiding principles that guide everything I think, do and say? We very rarely take the time to do that. We -hmm. want to grab a grid that has 50 values on it and circle five of them and say, those are my values. And that's us creating our values. And Mm -hmm. research will tell you, you don't create your values. You discover them. They're already there. Abby, you talked about that. They're already inside of us. We have to do the work to discover Mm -hmm. what they are. The second principle on the flywheel is action. So this is one where a lot of people are being called out right now. How well do you actually align your behavior with the values you claim to have? And if you do that well, you're in a great spot. But if now suddenly you're like, crap, I've been saying that I'm somebody for diversity and I don't have any record of it whatsoever. Well, then the problem isn't maybe so much that you need to step up to the plate with incorporating diversity, it may be that you've been speaking a game that you haven't been playing all along. Mm -hmm. Honesty is just how honest am I about the assumptions and the biases that I have about myself and others. Sometimes we build our businesses and our messages based on a lot of assumption and bias because it's easy. It's easy to say, well, I'm my market, so therefore my market must believe the same way that I do. And Mm. we have to take the time To really get to know our market, which leads to the fourth principle on the flywheel, which is community. And that is how well am I inviting open, honest relationships with those in my community? Are you presenting yourself as that sage on the stage, or are you really inviting relationship with others? And that takes work, especially, you know, as you guys probably know, when you build a larger community that's hard. Like, I don't know how you do that. That's been my own tension of how big do I even want to get? Because I so value the relationship and balancing that. Like I can have a lot of empathy for people who trip on that one, because if you have a large community, how do you do that?
1: We have talked often about how we met our very first Facebook group when we sold our very first course had nine little babies in it. And it was (laughs) Magical space (laughs) and just the energy there and the access of us to that community of getting to know them and build these true, true relationships is just entirely different now. But so it's a focus of ours almost every single day of how do we recreate that same effect, but we can't put in that same time that we were able to when there were just nine Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. And I think
0: the methods have changed over time. For instance, I used to think, oh man, if you hire, and this is not a dig against coaches, but just, Yeah, we love it, just them, we engineer. hire them, we know them. <laughs> right. But I think I used to sit in this camp of Okay, if I work one-on-one with someone, that's what's going to give me the most benefit because I can get to know them and they can get to know me and da, da 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 But I have been surprised over and over again, especially in this attempt to build community, create an environment where I can know as many of our students as possible that this group coaching can be even more powerful. And even just last night, my husband recently invested in a group coaching program. And it's more of like a membership model where they learn something every month and they have these calls and he was on a call with 20 people. And this guy coaches thousands of people and 20 showed up for Mm -hmm. the call. And what people don't realize is they think that you can't have access. As a community grows, there's no way to access the people at the forefront. But honestly, if you guys just show (laughs) up, you'd be shocked how much face time you can really get with a business owner. Even last night, someone's like, I know you're probably not checking messages. I had like a 30 minute conversation in the DMs with someone last night. And I think so often people think, well, I can't mm-hmm. talk to them. And it's right. like, that's not true. I want to get to know our people. And because it's a value mm-hmm. I hold, community being at the forefront of that, I'll do it. It might be a weird and mm-hmm. unconventional and not the way I did it five years ago, for sure. But I think there's ways to do it mm-hmm. authentically, if you're willing to do that. Now, I definitely have seen people that are so intimidated by that as they grow that they remove themselves slowly out of the business where they aren't a necessary piece of the puzzle anymore. And I think in some businesses that may make sense depending on what you're selling. But when what you're selling is your Mm -hmm. brains and your knowledge and your background and your experience, I don't know if you backing out Slowly is what's going to benefit right. the most people. Mm-hmm. But that's like a whole. Yeah, but I think that's so a awesome. perfect example of
1: like even us here. We still rely on the guiding light of our defined values. And luckily, Abby and I have some very similar values within mm-hmm. business, and community, yeah. and our students and everything like that where sometimes we're going down this path of learning a formula, a strategy, a thing, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, this doesn't feel right because it doesn't check this value that we say that we hold. And it's not going to allow us to do more of this. And so I think it's an ever evolving conversation with you and your team and your literal strategy within your marketing and your growth to always check back in on those. things.
2: Yes. And as Abby was talking, I think that that is the key piece that as you grow and evolve, and like you were saying, if you're leading with your values, it's like when you know your values, you can trust the direction, even if the yeah. direction is uncertain, yeah. even if you yeah. can't see it. If yeah. you're leading with your values, you can trust that, man, I don't know that we want to get this big, but this is mm-hmm. where we're going, and in order for me to reach the people that I want to, this is what has to happen but if your values are connection and relationship, you're going to carry that with you. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's why it's so critical to be able to actually do the hard work, ask yourself the hard questions that make you uncomfortable, invite mm-hmm. relationships with others so that they can give you the feedback that you don't always want to hear about yourself. <laughs> you have to go in those places and do that work first. Mm-hmm before you get three layers of your business built and then realize, oh man, I built this and I forgot to do that work. Like you're going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. So it's cheapest mm-hmm. to do it when you're starting out. That's the cheapest mm-hmm. time to do it. For sure. yeah.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, going back to that honesty part of the flywheel, as you talked about it, I feel like that's the part. That people avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because it tends to make us the most uncomfortable is really assessing how much we are actually leading with these things versus saying what they are. Because actions in my mind speak a lot louder the than statement. words. Yeah. Then copy mm-hmm. on your website, then whatever. And so for us, it happens to work out that there's two of us and we can talk to each other and almost call each other out mm-hmm. in a way, in a very private, right. you guys do not hear us call each other out and we're never going <laughs> to do it publicly, okay? Let's so have a roasting we episode. Will- <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> But we will do that to each other. But if that's not for you, where you don't have that currently in your business, I think it's important that you create relationships in your life where people are willing to ask you questions that the average person won't because... I'm just going to assume your moms are a lot like <laughs> our moms. And they love you, too. And everything you do is a freaking <laughs> rainbow. like, And it's not necessarily. I think you need to find people that are willing to be a little critical with you, shine some light in some dark areas. And not that all of us are walking around terrible people. And I'm not suggesting that. But having those people that are willing to do that in the background, in the non-public arena, I think is so helpful. Because then when you are showing up, you've already asked those questions, you've already navigated Mm -hmm. them. And so you're able to show up rather than what I think people are so often scared of is, okay, if I'm walking around, saying these are my values, and these are my actions that may or may not match. And I'm not addressing the bias that I have, then someone else is going right. to call someone you Someone else is going
1: to address it for you. Exactly.
0: Some of you may have gone by not addressing it for years, but at some point someone's going to say something that's going to put you in front of a mirror that you never mm-hmm. wanted to be in front of unless you can work with them yeah. in advance. Right. So I don't know. What would you say if someone's trying to really uncover, not just bias, but there's a lot of things that go in that honesty category, I think. What questions should you be asking yourself? Even if someone else isn't asking them of you, mm-hmm. what would you be self-assessing?
2: Yeah. One of the questions I really love because it, it's such a zinger because it's one that should be a gut punch to every single one of us because there are moments that we're not going to be aligned and it's who am I when no one else is looking?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, I don't want anybody driving in the car with
2: me and seeing me get irate at the driver who turned. I'm like, oh man. No
1: one would be surprised at my road range.
2: (laughs) But if you're really going to be honest with yourself, that's going to expose a lot of criticisms that you have of others, a lot of fears that you have about yourself, about your world. Who am I when no one else is looking? If you pull out a piece of paper and write that at the top... And emerge after 10 minutes with an empty piece of paper, you have some self-honesty issues because we yeah. all should have some things that make us be like, oh man, I need mm-hmm. to work on that. We have this false idea that somebody who's authentic, they're perfect and they're good. Mm-hmm. But that's not even, that's not true. Like somebody who's authentic, they know they're flawed and they probably struggle a lot with feeling inauthentic because they're so self-aware <laughs> of being flawed. And the other thing is I don't hear people talk about this a lot, but an authentic person could be the biggest jerk you've ever known. Like there are authentic jerks mm-hmm. out there. Like just because somebody's authentic doesn't mean that they're a good person. Like they may mm-hmm. very well know what their values are. They may be in good alignment.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no
2: yes. And so I would love to see that myth dispelled too. Like authenticity yes. isn't what is good. It's just yep. what is aligned.
1: I also think there's another, at least for me, a myth that goes along with at least the word authentic is like full, full, full transparency. Like Abby has said this before. What is it, Abby? Like showcasing the wounds before they're. I try to lead with I only share scars <laughs> and <laughs> not mm-hmm. my wounds. Yeah.
0: I think that's because oftentimes when we're <clears throat> trying to have authentic conversations, we might be in the middle of something we're not yet ready to share. And this Anybody. can be anything, you guys. It can be anything and that's okay. And it's not you hiding. It's not you not being self-aware. It's not you not addressing something. It just might mean that you don't (laughs) post it in a social media post, you know, it's okay. It's actually Um, being really (laughs) self-aware. Right. right. Yes. Because you knowing what a boundary is, is actually really healthy. You saying, "Mm, maybe I need to work on this before I put it out there. That's okay. Okay. There's people that don't yeah. know those things and say and things,
1: and you're like, right? Whoa! And there's something to love. Like I've heard this from our audience before of just like, I don't want to share my kids on social media or my partner or money and stuff. It's not about that. Like that doesn't equal authentic. You don't have to have this mm-hmm. weird level of here's everything behind the scenes and in my personal life to just get that I'm right. an authentic person checkmark. And I think I've let myself feel like I'm not authentic because I'm not sharing these past stories or this version of myself or whatever. And I done some work to let that go. And what has helped me is when I meet people in person who know me on Instagram only or through Boss Project only. And they say something like, Oh, you're exactly what I expected you to be, or like, you're exactly Mm -hmm. how you show up online. Like as silly as that sounds, it does make me feel really good because I'm like, oh cool. There are not two versions of myself floating out there because I think so often, and this is a little bit separate, but kind of talking a little bit about just mean people online being mean, not necessarily right. a troll, real humans who are right. mean online. Right. A blogger that I follow, Julia Markham of Chris Los Julia, amazing Instagram account, by the way. But she was sharing something because she has an influencer course as well and how to be like authentic and good and amazing in that role in that job. And she was kind of talking about how a lot of people think that there are two versions of yourself, the online version of yourself and the real life version of yourself. But if you're mean online, you're a mean person. That's who you are. That apparently is one of your values or something that you think is okay to do. So I think so many people feel like they can be the separate version. And I've even said this in the nicer way where I feel like I'm cooler online. That's you boo. That's it. Right. That's who you are.
0: If you think you're
1: cooler online, then maybe you're
0: cooler in real life than you give yourself credit for it. I mean, that's something I've kind of leaned into. I'm like, okay, maybe I would want to be my friend. Cool. All right. Uh, And Um, giving
2: yourself space. There's different iterations of us, different levels. And so, you know, how I show up at my in-laws house, that's not how I show up at my family because I don't feel this level of safety at my in-laws that I do with my own parents. That doesn't mean I'm being inauthentic. That just means I'm only releasing certain parts of who I am. And that's okay. Another thing I've thought a lot about lately is the idea of reaction versus response. And if you're really leading with your values and with your authentic self, you're going to craft a message and speak to others based out of response versus reaction. Reaction tells us to do what feels expedient, what feels like we can leverage it for growth or our own good, even what we think we need to do out of fear of what might happen if we don't. Mm -hmm, Response mm -hmm. comes out of what we've cultivated and nurtured throughout our entire lives. And because of that, I am obliged, I am compelled to speak On behalf of this issue, or I'm compelled to take action now, or this is just who we are. Starbucks, Howard Schultz, right? That's the CEO of Starbucks. He grew up in Brooklyn, very poor. And as a result of his lived experience, created this company. Mm -hmm. That fosters a genuine care for humanity that is birthed out of the response of who he Mm -hmm. has been his whole life long. And so I think that's another way that you always need to measure your response. Is this a reaction or is this a response out of who I really am? And that's a way to move forward.
0: And I think the reaction, if we come from a place of reaction, I find that people tend to be more defensive. And if we come from a place of response, if that's what we're calling it, I feel like it comes more from a, this is what I believe. This is how I've acted. This is how I'm being honest with myself, whether things have been mismatched mm-hmm. or not. And then that, because you said it that mm-hmm. way, it feels more authentic. It doesn't feel right. like a defense. And most of the time, defenses are not, no, they're not they don't, they don't land well. No, no, <laughs> no. So let's go into talk strategy to me. I'm a little surprised. We talked way less about coffee than I expected, but I loved it. It was good. It was solid because I really think, like you said, if you know who you are, then all of this stuff just pours out of you way more naturally anyway. So with that being said, If we wanted to start to utilize, and you called it your unbrand method. We didn't really talk about that, but that's what we talked about. What would your three main things you would focus on if this is something we want to work into our messaging? So
2: the key pieces to the unbrand method if you're really wanting to dig in and figure out what the heck am I even supposed to say, or who am I even supposed to focus on? like You're trying to figure out all those initial pieces of your business and of your message. The first thing, and these steps come from phenomenologists, which is kind of a branch of philosophy. His name is Max Van Manen, and these are his process. And it's really about really digging into your lived experience and finding the true story. That's what phenomenology is all about. And so the first step is that you just have to slow down. You have to really slow down and ask yourself, what is it that really commits me to my world and to my market? Some people think of this as, what's my why? You know, mm-hmm. it's Simon's next question. What does he start with why? But I think it goes just a little deeper than that because sometimes people will be like, well, my why is helping women entrepreneurs who need to find their voice. But why is it that you're committed to that? Like dig even deeper to really find the root of it. Like what Mm -hmm. is it that anchors you to that? You've got to slow down. That means you probably need to take yourself out of the noise for a while so that the only noise you're hearing is the beating of your own heart and that you can really tap into what is it? And in order to do that, you have to be honest about the way that you're living out your why versus the way that you conceptualize it, which this mm-hmm. one I love so much because I conceptualize myself as being somebody really concerned about social justice. But if I'm not actually living that out, yeah. then it's just an idea I support. And I think this is where we find a lot of misalignments with all of us. You really have to be honest about That's where being honest about your assumptions, your biases, your viewpoints. How are you conceptualizing your why versus living it out? And then the next step is what I call finding and sorting. You have to look at the long arc, the long story of your life and look at the themes that keep coming over and over again, keep coming up. When we sit down and we think about our life as story, we're all going to find those storylines that keep showing up, whether we want them to or not. And those are their whispering truths to us. They're telling us something about either our weaknesses, our gifts, our calling. And so when I did this and I was really honest, I realized, oh my gosh, you're always listening to other people, helping them figure out this is what you need to do with your life. Like, this is the dream that you have, and you don't even know it. So here, let's carve out a path so you can do it. And when I realized that, I'm like, what the heck am I doing not doing that for other people? Like, that's my responsibility. That's the space I need to step into. And then the last two is you have to immerse yourself in your market. You have to understand your audience as your audience sees themselves versus Mm -hmm. how you imagine them to be. One researcher calls it eavesdropping into your audience, like you're standing in the bathroom with them, listening to the conversations they're having with one another at the water cooler, really doing that work to know who they are so that you can emerge with the right services, the right messaging. People call that voice of customer data. And then you have to do the hard work, which is zooming in and zooming out. And I compare this to like the Google Maps, you know, when you know where you're going, it's easy to keep that kind of zoomed out and you see the big picture. But when you get lost, what do we do? We zoom in real tight. And we're like, okay, there's something I see that landmark, so I must be in the right place. And to build a business and create a message that Reflects who you are and who you're becoming, you know, and is in that authentic alignment with that constant growth. You have to always be willing to do that, zooming in and zooming out, realizing I, you never arrive, you never get at a point where you have to stop doing the work. You always have to do it. Like this process is never complete. And so I'm going to always go back to, okay, let me slow down. Let me make sure that the way I conceptualize my why is how I'm living it out. Let me do all of those steps over and over. It's a circle. It's a process that never ends. And so I think that if those five steps were taken more often, Mm -hmm. you would find messaging that is more original You wouldn't land on websites that look like everybody else in their space. During these unprecedented times. (laughs) Exactly. Because people would be released from the fear of getting it wrong. People would know their audience well enough to know exactly what it is that they need. And they would be comfortable with that. When you know yourself, you know how to sell. It's that simple. And if you're struggling with how do I sell? What do I sell? How do I write this message? it's probably because you've got to go back and you've got to do that deeper work of really knowing who you are and owning that, like just own it as women. It is hard to own who we are because mm-hmm. we haven't been taught that that's okay. I think, especially for like women, my age and older, like we've been taught to put ourselves on a shelf and take care of everybody else. And so it's hard to do that work and to feel okay about doing it. Yeah. But if you want to emerge as wholly you, wholly original, Holy authentic, you've got to do that.
1: Yeah, I love that. Lindsay, thank you so much for this episode and for those insights. If people want to keep learning from you, work with you, just hang out with you online, where can they go do that?
2: They can find me hanging out on Instagram at Hotmeyer, and they can find me at my website, lindsayhotmeyer.com.
0: Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership